Yeah, dirty bozo, you say, come out now and fight! You need to be more like a dog. We don't need a bunch of cats in here. Yeah, looking in the mirror. Be a dog. Whatever happens in leash, it's always a scandal. Why do you think that was? Probably because we're always drinking and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no smoke without fire, that goes to light. I met Tommaso Shea one day and he said, I'm sick of that northern crowd. He said, if they went set dancing twice a week, we'd all be set dancing twice a week. I can remember a lad, Jay Booth, right? And he was getting sick, right lying like that, <laughs> looking at me like, and I'm going, this is not helping me. Every man, woman and monkey in me all is nearly right in the mouth. Shake the bucket! That's it! We're here broadcasting live from Lansdowne Road. We're here for uh, Leinster against Claremont, obviously. I should just say that loads of people are, are texting in with uh, their memories of Paulie O'Shea, and we'll bring some of them to you a little bit later on. 53106 is the number if uh, you'd like to contribute to that. But uh, on uh, up for discussion today on our panel, we're obviously going to talk about this game. What's it like to play in these games back-to-back? Um, also up for discussion is the Connacht-Mike-McCarthy-Leinster love triangle a fixable problem or just a function of capitalism and how will Ulster deal with the massive wave of expectation floating down from the terraces tonight on our panel we've got Shane Byrne former Leinster Ireland and Lions hooker Emmett Byrne former Leinster and Ireland prop and Jerry Thorny the Irish Times rugby correspondent um, Jerry start with you your thoughts on this on this game this afternoon um, is it actually a must win is there any possible way that Leinster can get a losing bonus point and still qualify do you think very very unlikely I would say no chance whatsoever, really. There's no point even thinking like that, and I'm sure they won't be. I think I'm right in saying that only one team has ever reached the knockout stages, Ger, without winning one of these back-to-back games. That was Leicester a couple of years ago, and they got a losing bonus point and a draw. Yeah. So they got three points out of eight, and they, they squeezed through. So I think, yeah, particularly with Leinster not having picked up any bonus points in the first two games, realistically, they know they have to win this game to get through. Yeah, what's the psychology like playing these back-to-back? If you've performed relatively well and you're slightly disappointed heading into the second game, is that maybe a slightly better position to be in than... So uh, that would be Leinster's mindset, disappointed, a bit wounded that they didn't win, that they had that big opportunity, or would you rather be Claremont with the win in your back pocket going, yeah, you know? Well, like Claremont still know that the fact that Leinster got the losing bonus point is keeping them in the hunt, and they would be disappointed that they allowed that happen. Leinster were able to break through. They dominated in quite a lot of areas in the game. It was a cracking game, you have to say. But Leinster are just wiping the slate clean with this. This is a must-win game. And it's all about the manner of the win. It's just as important to stop Claremont getting a, bon- a losing bonus point. And that's going to be, like, Joe Schmidt will have the guys absolutely focused on, win at all costs, and then we'll see what's happening. Emin, mm. how do they do that? How, like, how do they focus the mind? Um, apparently you don't do too much physical work in the in-between week. Well, it depends on the on the lead up and what's gone before as well. Uh, re- recovery is a huge por- uh, a huge part of uh, the, the I suppose the process in terms of playing well in rugby and managing the team well and, and keep them mentally fresh. And that's that's going back to what you're saying about say how do you keep the guys h- how are they going to face this after what happened last <coughs> week? And it's how you approach it, uh, Jared. To be quite honest, you can look at it and you say the, ha- the glass is half full or half empty. In that we've expelled an, exor- an an unbelievable amount of energy last week and we didn't really get what we wanted out of it. So our heads down. And I've seen that happening particularly with French sides where. They they do that they put all into one effort and then if it doesn't work out they literally just concede the next game but Leinster don't have that mentality they go out they're going to really they they they, they have a, a sense of responsibility to the t- to the to the fans to the people around them to the to the jersey and so on and I think that's that stands with them more than most teams and they're going to go out and really uh, and go through the processes 
it's it's more scientific to be honest than uh, than than uh, just just passion. Like they'll run down, they'll 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 face the reality of what's what they need to do today, and they'll go through the processes. And then if they do them well, execute them well, I can't see honestly how they would lose this game. I mean, this Claremont side are not an unbeatable team. They're good when they play yeah. well. But the only thing but about that is, uh, Jerry, the execution wasn't good last week. It was very unLeinster-like at key moments of the game, when they were deep in the 22, where they were on the 22. The line-out just went a little high. It was primarily the line-out, you know, and, and lots of other... Yeah, only sure. the line-out. It was only the, really yeah. the line-out, wasn't it? That's what cost them, cost them savagely. When you think they had three was attacking lines, two, three, three, three attacking line-outs, couldn't get one of them. Like, at the, at the very least, Shane, I mean, they're going to work Johnny Sexton to drop goal range for one yeah. of them. A draw completely changes the perspective of this group. They're going into the game today knowing that a win puts them in pole position. Yeah. Two more wins, last two games, and they're guaranteed to be in the quarters. No, That's the difference, but it just getting one of those line-outs out, getting a, dr- a drive going, getting Sexton to get a, a ball between the posts, just get, a, get out of there with the draw would have been a fantastic result. So that's but a new thing for them, though, that they're dealing with the, a, a moment of failure in, in some respects, that some very reliable parts broke down of yeah, a, a, a there, there were 17 games unbeaten in the Heineken Cup going into that mm. though you know what I mean you got to lose a Heineken Cup match occasionally yeah. Claremont are 51 games unbeaten in a row it is the toughest place in Europe to go and they very nearly got a draw without both Carneys Brian O'Driscoll Owen O'Malley and Luke Fitzgerald a phenomenal coaching effort a phenomenal effort by the team leaders so they see it as a positive as possible absolutely it was an amazingly positive performance yeah. mm. I don't think many teams could have done what they did and being there was was very very revealing because it's a cracking atmosphere you know, as you know lads a belt of a ground and mm. it was just it was absolutely throbbing from 10-15 minutes beforehand but in actual fact Claremont fans were saying afterwards the atmosphere was a little bit subdued because they were worried and you could sense it yeah. in the second half the, the, both the team and the home crowd were transmitting a real fear because Leinster have spooked them a bit over the mm. years like nobody else but I think mm. that's the fact is that there's so few sides like as we've known 51 games and trotted people have left there without anything but Leinster left there genuinely disappointed mm. that they hadn't got through it and they knew it was because unfortunately look Strauss just came off the bench yeah. his darts normally are very good there wasn't an issue there it's just he overthrew three and that's all there was to he's it he's not used to that position either though coming, coming off the big bench. games off the bench he's not used to that so in the, when the first line out goes wrong it's much more pressure you know this much yeah. on your second line out and once that goes wrong your third one is I have to get this in a pressure position right on the line and that that kind of t- thought process then gives you a good chance of missing it do you yeah. know what I mean so once you miss the first one it perpetuates beyond that and, and that's the problem the crowd get yeah. into yeah. it in yeah. position and Bonaire is the best on the opposition yeah. throw going isn't yeah. it Probably in Europe. But I think I think the fact is is that Claremont could do nothing about Leinster getting themselves into that position. Yeah. Mm. And that's the fact where this rolls into yeah. this game is the fact that they were able to get themselves into these great positions. They didn't execute it okay on the day, but they're going to do the same here. Was mm. that a bit of a shock how easily Leinster gained possession, kept possession, got field position and were able to match, you know, with this weakened Leinster side? What, what, what separates Leinster, Jerry, from the rest of the Europe, the European teams, they do that better than everybody else. Their ability to maintain a game. Joe Smith doesn't go into this game and go, right, we're going to start doing offloads and running uh, trying to break tackles with runs what it does is he understands the, the key component of hanging on to the ball first of all and then winning the game line battle so what he's going to try and do is just keep running the ball at them tying in the defenders and then once the ball goes out wider then he starts doing his secondary line breaking stuff which is your pops and your and your yeah and, and he's got the players to do that so he, he understands they are the best team in terms of conditioning and in terms of of executing the processes in terms of continuity as in they, they, they don't run at numbers they run at shoulders they pump the legs in the contact better than else. they present the ball better than everybody else they clear out better than everybody else so they hold on to the ball better they tie in defenders over a period of time that opens up space out wide and they're just the best at that the only way you beat them is you either get match them in that area or you break down their set pieces and that comes back to the line out that they, that they lost I mean that was just the unfortunate now ironically you'd probably say Claremont 
is the mm. second best side of doing exactly <laughs> the same thing. Yes. Like they normally yes. just come out and, and they are just devastating on, on oppositions. Yes, they do go up in highs and lows. Leinster are probably a bit more co- consistent. But when Claremont are on form, they are devastating. They're almost mm. unstoppable. I yeah. mean, even the semi-final last year, Leinster probably should have been out of sight mm. before that last five minutes. But when Claremont get one of their power plays no. going... They look almost unstoppable. But you know they? what they do, right? They force a drift. In other words, Claremont, what they do is they, they, they attack like I was saying with Leinster do. They run, they run, run. They get two, three quick balls in a row. And then suddenly Leinster, instead of going forward in defence, they're forced to drift. When you're forced to drift against Rougerie, uh, Fofana, Sivivato, you are in big they're trouble. You're not them. going to win that, that collision when That's you're drifting. That's the shoulder that happens. So yeah. every time, so w- in the game today, what they're going to try and force is, is quick phase ball and drift. And once they force the drift, they're going to penetrate you. That's the key. The difference, I think, Claremont the weakness about them is to be quite honest is that they don't do it in enough during the game they, they come in, in in bouts of maybe 10 minute bursts and then they drop off and then they do 10 minute bursts and they, usually it's effective they score when they do it but if, if Leinster can defend that period of time and then come back and then get their own scores that's how they win those is games Is that a function of the, the French top 14 that they have to play at that level week in week out over the course of 40 games of the season that they can only do it for 10-15 minutes at the, the, the Not season? at all No, no I, think that's, I think that's absolute horse I really yeah. do this whole notion of the top couture has been this unremitting mm. treadmill with tough games every week most of those 50 games unbeaten at home you'd have fallen asleep through half of them if the referee gave a penalty or a yellow card against the home side you'd need to leave the car engine running they're, they're, they're bloodless coups in a lot of instances the games are over after 5 or 10 minutes Maybe they could rest up 12 of their players before these back-to-back matches with Leinster you know, despite the supposed threat of relegation. Yeah. I mean, Claremont will never be under the threat of relegation in the next 30 years. They will only ever be in the playoffs at the end of the season. And it's just been nonsense to say that they can't rest up. Every bit. They did the same before the semi-final last year. They rested up their front team a week before. And they can do it again for these matches. And as interesting today will be their mentality and how they target this. Because they're in an unusual position. They are in pole position. I think even a defeat leaves them still in pole position. Once they don't concede four tries, they're still ahead of Leinster with two games to mm. go. They've probably got the better run in if they're looking at it because they've got um, Exeter at home. home yeah. yeah, whereas Leinster have to go to Exeter. The way mm. the Scarlet's Exeter game panned out last week. Yeah. So, oh. so I think that, that makes them either dangerous because they swing from the hip or if Leinster get an early try, it might just be like the pool game here a couple well, of years ago. I'd like to say this. Well, I genuinely think Leinster know that this is a must win. And I don't think the pressure is as much on Leinster as is on Claremont. But Claremont have been there so many times with Leinster, and Leinster have put them out of the cup so many times. Mm. And like the ah, here we go again factor yeah. has to come in if Leinster can start strong and can start pushing against them. And yeah, I they think could put Leinster out today. That should be their motivation. Yeah. God Almighty, they own Irish team one, particularly Leinster, don't yeah. they? They should be the most motivated side ever coming here, shouldn't they? But it, it's also that Joe Joe Smith, like been the way he is, he's also made a few very subtle changes to the team. Yeah. And I think he's making a statement in the way he wants the game played. He wants the contention at the breakdown with Jennings back on the pitch. And he obviously wants to speed things up with yes. Redden. Yeah. Now there was nothing wrong with Isaac Boss. No. And McLaughlin as well had a fantastic game last week. I don't think it's about that. Now, Keane Healy, I raised an eyebrow when I saw he wasn't on the pitch. But I think Joe Smith, he has a plan. And it's not just go out and do what you always do. He takes every game the same. He knows Claremont so well. They're matched so well, you know, 1-15. to I've never known a coach, I don't know you guys, who actually has ever picked what it is, a home side and an away side. He generally starts with Boss on a more physical side, away to the likes of Claremont. And he generally starts with Redden for the higher tempo game at home. And I presume he's trying to free up Sean O'Brien to do what he does best as well today. Yeah, Trundle. Trundle, Yeah. 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 Do you yeah. know a coach has ever quite done this kind of home and away? Well, we've never we've never had that luxury yeah, before in Irish rugby. Yeah, but he's created that too. Yeah, 
mean, in other words, he's, it's trial and error, and eventually he's found a system now that works very well for him, and uh, and exactly that, you know, it's, it, he's honed it, and he's still honing it. Like, that could change again, but it's, as, it, as it stands, that's where it is now, right now, and it's uh, worked very well. Would this team not have been better, though, than the team that played last week? Oh. <laughs> There's a question. <laughs> It's uh, different. No, I got, yeah, it's slightly different. I, I don't know. Like, like they this almost team had could a be as, as effective. I think the gamble's like with Goodman in last week, paid off. Madigan at full back into a certain set, particularly in attack, paid off. You know, I... I, you, I have play, you have to play in the save on the wing against these oh guys. Oh, no, without you, any doubt. You have to play. Yeah. 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 Plus, yeah. Jennings makes it less of a set-piece team. When you, when you have a... Uh, when you when you change the team back from what it was last week, say for example, uh, they're more they've a lot more lineout options. Where this week it's more on the ground, say uh, more of a continuity game, and bosses more around the sides as well. So you're you're playing more for your ten man rugby last week, and this is more about getting the ball out into yeah. the back hands. Just but on the, the yeah. Saber point, why yeah. does he have to play on the wing? Why can't he play fullback? Because look at the look at the uh, Claremont wings. Um, they they big bruiser wingers, and with the best win in the world to Fionn Carr and Andrew Conway, your best isn't good enough. No, you have to have a, the physicality of, of the save on the wing, cross kicks, both defensively and offensively. Big, yeah, big part of the modern and game. Match with McFadden, you could, it was so clear last week. Yeah. He was told make your tackles, yeah. and he was a demon. He Wasn't haunted he? them yeah. the whole game. He saved a try at one point, yeah. I think, in the first half. Didn't he by coming off his yeah. wing after Goodman slipped yeah. off a tackle? Last man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You you all sound quite confident of Leinster victory here today. <laughs> Well, no, no. confident. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose if you look at yes, I genuinely do think they will win. I, you know, I I think it'll be a really really hard game. There's so many buts you could put in there, so many what ifs. But like, you have to believe that in in the Viva that Leinster will come out and they do what they need to do. I don't think they'll run away with anything, but I think the win will be got. And you know, it's just that we'll all be watching the mannerism. I think Joe Smith will just tell them, you just make sure you're one point at least ahead of them at the end. Yeah. Uh, look, this is a this is a very physical game. Anything can happen. If Leinster don't turn up, I don't see in what I've seen this team. I've never seen in a big match this team not turned up. Yeah. They peaked significantly last week after a dry enough run in the in the Rabo Pro 12. So you know that it's there. I've a feeling they're going to turn turn it on again. But the the, the big issue is is in my experience of whatever 15 odd years of being around a professional rugby game. I've never seen a French team to come in and say be absolutely ruthless about a game when they have their noses in front. Never. And I don't know. I, Vern Cotter last week talking about the pressures on Leinster, this, that, and the other. Like, shouldn't be saying anything. Should be just 100% focused on absolutely wrestling this Leinster team. I believe that they're going to come in. They're going to play for a period of the game, and I think they're going to eventually succumb to the pressure Leinster applied to them. That's my opinion. There. The, the the sh- go one on. other factor as well in all of this yeah. is that Clermont have been to Ireland six times and lost every time. They've got to be a little bit spooked by that, mm. as well as a, a home defeat the semi-final in effect last year. And the this place, the Aviva, this really has become a home from home for Leinster. The support that they're going to get today, I think, is going to be fantastic. It's going to be like a, a 7 o'clock in the evening atmosphere, I'd say, with 50,000 here. They know it's Leinster's hour of need. And Leinster, I think, are seven wins from seven here. And they've, as you say, Emmett, you're right, they always raise their occasion for when Munster come to town or a big Heineken Cup match. And they've put away teams very impressively here, seven times out of seven. As far as I know, there still, still are some tickets. There was about 2,000 left last, last night, around eight or nine o'clock. So I presume half of those are probably gone. But if you still are in the vicinity, you can uh, come down and see this. The point, though, that you made about you can knock this team, who are the best team in European rugby history, out of the competition and a bogey team for you. And you kind of have a shot to nothing because so long as you lose without them scoring four tries, you know, if you go for it early on and just cut loose and do whatever you can, who knows what's going to happen. That has to be the attitude they come with today. Absolutely. And they're dangerous. You look at their team. Fafan and Rouge, you would test any midfield in the world. Power played like a dream last week. Yeah. They've got a big bruising pack. They made a significant change at the front row, lads, haven't they? Because... Um, Shome has come in for Tabati 
and the Dabati has played something like 120 times for Clermont, but only started about 20 odd. Yeah, he's so totally an impact replacement, and he was exposed yeah. last week. Yeah. So that might strengthen their scrum. Might yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, no, you're absolutely right. And I watch him, I know him, and the reason he was picked, it's kind of traditional in the south of France. He's a local boy, yeah. and he would have felt uh, a bit obligated. Vern Cotter, I think, would have been a bit obligated to pick Big him. Game. But he plays outside the, the side head, he doesn't put pressure inside on him, which means Rice, Mike Ross, to simplify it, has a lot more space to work with. He won't have that today, but he's home advantage. So psychologically, the French don't scrum as well away from home. It's just the way it is. Yeah. So uh, I think I don't think they're going to have a problem there, Jerry. It mightn't have dominance, but they won't, I don't think they're going to have I dominance. Think, I think if Clermont come, as you were saying, if they come here with any other attitude other than to beat Leinster, if they, they're even looking to stay Absolutely. in the hunt for the bonus point, they'll be in trouble. They're goosed. Because you yeah. can't do that against Leinster. Not no. in the last couple of years. That just cannot be. And like I don't think Clermont are doing that. They, they want to get over this massive bogey side that Leinster has become. They have an opportunity here today. I don't think it'll happen. But they will be coming out here to play rugby. What was Munster's only defeat in their first 40-odd games in the Heineken Cup? The only one where they didn't have to win to qualify against Leicester. Yeah. It just takes a little bit of an edge off a team, doesn't it? Yeah. When their back's not up against the wall. One of the no, things uh, we're still waiting to find out is if Brock James is going to start. Um, there was some talk that he might actually be out. Is this a? Does it make much difference? I mean, there's, there's we, we put up the footage this morning of uh, Sean O'Brien running over David Skrella. <laughs> and then the the next cut from the um, in the video is I'd love to see Squella play. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think though James is a limited player to be quite frank. He doesn't do the kicking duties anymore, so I don't think that's going to make that much of a difference. Quite frank, maybe I don't know how much uh, overall. Like I mean, how how Squella's confidence is in, a, in an overall sense because you need to be confident in that position. But he's better he hands. In, he's got a running threat. He, he, he's, he's got, got a bigger boost. He's a much and better running threat. And he he's he's, he's, he's a better player, I <laughs> think, yeah, in my opinion. But I think that actually is a disadvantage, but having said that, I, I, I think Leinster will get the lion's share of possession today, in my opinion, and I, I don't think he'll have enough, as much to work with. I'd say mm-hmm. w- one thing I'm looking forward to on a personal point now, just totally selfishly, is I'm looking forward to see Sean O'Brien playing six. Yeah. He so seldom gets played, and we all know that's his position. Like, he, he gets him roaming with well the ball. Seven and too. Absolutely, fantastic. And he's reinvented himself. Absolutely. Pound but like, pound, possibly you know, the best rugby player in absolute, Ireland. But, like, how much have we missed? A guy when there's a solid wall against yeah. it that he can still get over the game line. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's what he does. Like he just he ignores defences. He just gets over them anyway. And like I know he's only back, but it'd be great to see him playing six and have that role again. And uh, he should be that bit sharper with last week's game under the belt as well. His season's only in his infancy, isn't it? He should get better and stronger. But you know the key is actually in, and the, and the strength of weakness that that is Sean O'Brien is is that when you rely on him too much, teams know that you can take him out of the game by just marking him out of the game, and then suddenly your over reliance on him becomes a, a weakness. He hasn't been used in that capacity in quite a while, so when they're looking at all the tapes, they're not going to be ready for him in a, in a proper, like carrying uh, capacity, you know. And that's really what can be an advantage today when they they make they need to make the assessment that he's going to be ru- com- running at a completely different role, different angles, different position in, in the field, and how Leinster use him cl- and, and their intelligence in using him will be the key factor in getting the best out of him. Maybe use him in a couple of wider channels occasionally, like yeah. you used to Victor Costo in your day. Off, off exactly. the set piece, exactly. Yeah. Carry yeah. him and then, and then and then don't use him even in those capacities, just because they'll mark him mm. and uh, he, he'll open up space out wide one way or the other whether he carries or whether he just holds that's the key you know and that's how you use those guys I think I mean a classic example of overuse to him was when they played Wales in the quarter final yeah. World Cup and all they did was just mark him out of the game and, yeah. and then suddenly his strength, yeah. strength became a weakness you know you yeah. need to be aware of that you know and the exact same Munster did it uh, when they were doing it against Shabal and Shabal they were over line they just nailed him all day and that took took their whole game plan fell out that went out the, out the gate that day the one thing about this is that O'Brien has had one of those performances against this team it's in their memory to go okay with this guy if he gets going so, so while it won't be in the tapes for this season mm. it's definitely in the, the collective memory. consciousness yeah. of the, the, the Claremont team yeah. mm. 
So at that point, who do Leinster look to? Do we need to see? Do we need to see Strauss carry a little bit more? Oh, you, you, they don't have. They won't have a worry with that. I mean, the guys have all. They're all confident in their carries and the technique. And I know the way they drill it in training. Like, so for example, they know how to get the best out of their carries. And you've got Keane, you've got Jamie. Jamie's a Super Bowl carrier. Very awkward guy. He's so, he, he, it's subtle. Like you don't see him. He's not as explosive as he Sean. But in contact. But when you catch him in contact, his proprioception. In other words, the ability to slip within the tackle. In other words, uh, change the point of contact within the tackle. Is super. And it's all through the hips. And Jamie's brilliant at that. And you've got three or four other guys like Sakine's very good. Strauss actually isn't that big. But he's work rate. That's his. That's what he. He comes onto the ball when they're actually down in numbers, and that's what makes him he's quick strong, too, so isn't he? He yeah. is. Yeah. Well, he's fit and quick. Yeah. And, yeah. and Healy's good. Keane's a hell of a weapon to bring mm. off the bench. I mean, yeah. Jimmy'll be appearing by the 50th minute, mm. no later. Would you think? Oh, absolutely. He'll be brought on like. Another I, I, I doubt it'll be 60, 65 minutes or no. 70 minutes. No. But like the thing is, you got to measure. Like, or you got to say that Sean O'Brien was playing seven last week. Like we're talking about him carrying all the time, but they did without him carrying last week. Yeah. You know, McLaughlin stood mm. up a lot. Yeah. And it's all about retaining possession, as Emmett was talking about mm. earlier on. It's about retaining possession of these guys and just wearing them down and pushing in. And they do. They showed last week. They pulled a couple of moves out of the move and they got clean behind them. And just a little bit of execution. Maybe if Brian O'Driscoll was there somewhere, yeah. he might have read a yeah. line. Yeah. They use that inside ball a lot, didn't they? Reverse ball going back yeah. against the grain. It worked for the try last year. It, it was the break early doors for Ian Madigan. I would imagine they'll try something different. Joe's always he always changes it a little bit, doesn't he? Game by game. Because the other thing about this fascinating battle within this battle is how well the two coaching staffs know each other and how well the two yeah. playing teams know each other. Yeah. But this is another area, Jerry, and that's about the Claremont defence. The Claremont defence doesn't reorganise itself quite as quick as the Leinster defence, mm-hmm. and that is a, that's an that's attitude thing, that. yeah. And that is exactly what I do. And, and, and when Joe is looking at these tapes, he's not looking mm-hmm. for mistakes, he's looking for habits that Claremont yeah. have, and he exploits those habits. So if that ball is on, it's not necessarily called unless it's on at that moment in time. So a lot of that stuff is ready-made, and then it's off the cuff at that moment to suit the situation in front of them. And that's one of the reasons the Leinster are very good at You mean it's playbook? Exactly, yeah. yeah. They'd have a playbook in open play, not necessarily off set piece, but off open play, and they'll have various things off the 10-12 channel or the, the 9-10-12 channel, and uh, if the guys are running short, long, wide, and then if it's on, they'll just they'll have a call for it if it's on, and they'll know if the Claremont defensive reorganised or where the weak point is, and then they can attack that weak point. Now, this doesn't come, Jared, till later in the game, when the Claremont defence are at one, at one yard behind where they were in terms yeah. of defence, but, but that's the thing, about initially they need to just get their, their, their game going, their carrying game going to wear them down and then it goes from there yeah I, I think Rob Penny was making that point actually about Munster when they did eventually beat Edinburgh in the final 10 minutes that the first 60-70 minutes had been them trying to wear down Edinburgh and, uh, it's funny how good teams get their rewards in the last 10 or 15 minutes yeah. in rugby it happens yeah. much more so than any other sport I know and, and that's the, 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 the joy of the bonus point in this competition in particular um, uh, question from Eamon about the hookers could you ask the panel if the hookers and the bench should practice throw-ins during the match to avoid coming on cold the quarterbacks and kickers do it in American football the point you're making, Strauss is coming off cold. If he's just on the sideline throwing the ball, I mean, yeah, is, he, well is he better? It's, it's, it's not like the guys, they throw thousands and thousands of balls to, you know, it just warming up the act of throwing. Yeah, it might help a little bit psychologically. But you got to think a, a thrower has to throw to a spot that doesn't exist. Kickers have points to aim to. Mostly when you go past two in the line out, you're throwing to a spot. It leaves your hands when there's nobody in the area. Yeah. So it's a feeling. It's, it's something you just have to be used to getting the ball there. Strauss just came off the bench as Emma says it could be part that it's just a role he's not that familiar with he's used to starting games 
and he just simply overthrowed him. There's no more to it. There's no right or wrong. There's no. Mm. Does it annoy you in the hookers club that some guy gets thrown the ball six times in the match? He's hoisted up in the air by two of his buddies. He catches it under no pressure. Gets the man of the match award or whatever else. The hooker gets every one of the darts on the money. Just yes. imaginary targets, whatever distance it is away. Gets no credit at all, but then gets pinged whenever he misses one. Hell yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And then that's one of the toughest skills yeah. in the game, in fairness. Mm. It is, and uh, that's why I always like calling the lineouts when I was playing. Was the fact that if it went wrong, it was my fault. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, mm. you know, I called the bad call. But you can see sometimes that a lineout is called and it's clustered. There's too many. It was actually a bad call. And the hooker, no matter what he does, the ball isn't going to get to where it is. But you're not saying that's what happened last week. No, no, he overthrew. Him. Right. That's Fair it. And Strauss, yeah. Strauss would tell you himself he overthrew the man. There was nothing else to it. The line, the call was one of them maybe, but like uh, one of them was crooked. But the two really important ones. It's just you know he's a professional. He shouldn't have happened. That's the be-all and end-all yeah. of it. One of the things I wanted to talk about was the fact that we are sitting here in the Viva. It's probably going to be very close to a sellout. There's going to be almost as many Claremont fans as there would have been at the games that you guys were playing back-to-back in Donnybrook. And the transformation that there's been, sometimes it's, it's worth pointing out that this is a pretty awesome thing that's happened in the last 10 years. Ah, it's incredible. Yeah. Like, you know... The cliches of, of the one man and his dog, you know, it's not that long ago that mm. the only people who came to our games then were our parents. Yeah. You know, and, the, and the reporters, that was yeah. about it. And just slowly mm. but surely, we always knew that it was going to happen. And when it did grab your imagination that, like, okay, there's a million people on the doorstep here, but the lens of support from the from the counties are is massive. Yeah. Because people coach loads of people coming up from almost every town and village around the around the province. And, and like the style of the game that they play, the way the, the game has been marketed now and that the rugby players are kind of, yeah. you know, living up that image, I, I really do think that's... I, uh, I haven't wondered if you could actually hear the crowd uh, kind of shouting abuse at the players and the referee. Not, was it, was not it? in the big grounds, in the small grounds you can, yeah. You can't do it once or now, you'll hear that all right. But I, I remember... not <laughs> the, not standing that he behind, <laughs> and he can tap you on the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> but but, uh, but uh, they, they get into your head, they try to get into your head a little bit, which is fair enough. But I I um, I remember being here for the, uh, the I think it was the, the this was the semi final yeah it was the semi final uh, of the Hiding Cup against Cardiff in 1995 wherever it was yeah. like and it was about 500 people and it was just in the old Lansdowne Road and then you come here but I think what's driven this was the catalyst to this or uh, the, or the accelerant to this whole uh, uh, massive explosion in support in my opinion has probably been the clashes in Munster Leinster because I, mean, I remember mm. in the round like it went literally from nothing in the 90 1990s to 2000 hit Two, and the then 2001 final the yep. final and yeah. then suddenly it, the interest was spiked so much we sold out the ground I remember that for the, for the for the final of the of the original Mag- or, uh, Celtic League it was actually at that stage and uh, and then from that point on the big European matches started getting almost solid we played Baritz remember uh, uh, Munch and then and, yeah. and then Claire and, and per- that infamous Perpignan day and so on but it was full pr- practically full houses and then it's obviously evolved again now where like you know you, you know there's, there's a lot more dates in the calendar where you fill it up uh, it's become almost expected now but it is a phenomenal uh, uh, jump in yeah. a short Strawberry. period of time I, yeah. I came into this yeah. job in 97, 98 and the Irish province couldn't buy a win or they certainly had no chance getting into the knockout no. series for two years in a row and now you've got a situation where Leinster out not not only filled on it but then outgrew it, then filled with ODS and for games like this outgrew it and now it's filling the Aviva. Yep. Leinster Munster to build rebuild mm-hmm. Toman Park, you know, so on, so on and so forth. And at the risk of opening a much bigger debate that we don't have time for. I okay, very quickly. Yeah, no, I was gonna the reason I brought it up was because of Connacht really this week and Well, yeah, I kind of been waiting the way in sixteen years, looking on enviously as while the other provinces were just given direct passage into this tournament and they were drip fed to stay back and forth place and prop up the other three. They finally get a, a taste of it and look how much they brought to every single one of their games 
And just compare and contrast with the, the Welsh, the Scots, the Italians. 21 games played between the before this weekend, one win. Ospreys at home to Treviso. And the danger is that, that because at this time of the negotiations, they're going to drag the Irish down. Yeah. And we're going to have less places at the Rabo table in the next Heineken Cup, if there is a Heineken Cup, because they're not... They're, and I would actually... As much as the, the Welsh, I envy the Welsh, their double Grand Slams, they had a better World Cup, I'd trade anything for that World Cup quarter-final defeat. I still think in the long run, Irish rugby is healthier because of days like yeah. this. You can't get a spectator behind the post of the Welsh game, mm. regional game. The point that I was, the reason that I wanted to bring this up was to kind of say, so if that's what's possible as a transformative experience in rugby, then surely something better can be done with Connacht than just allowing their best players but to I go. The notion during the week that was, look, it's freedom of contracts, and I totally understand that, and I, I 100% buy that, except that they could have given them a longer contract. They could allow Connacht to give their best players four- and five-year contracts if they wanted to and build something that but way. That's, but I think that's the key to it. It's not. It's an awful pity that it's become a, a Leinster versus Connacht slagging match. Do you know what I mean? And that Joe Smith was dragged into it. Like it's not. It's not about that. Realistically, it's about you the can't stop there. Yeah, it's about the review still hasn't defined what Connacht is, and that's the issue. Connacht is surviving on half the budget, you know, and and only just getting themselves together. Yeah, they've got the ground now, and it's whether the development tag is still hanging over them, or with this new development, with them starting to challenge. Well, look, do they get to stand alone? And they are aside, and they their budget increases, or it gets better distributed. You know, that's the problem. Yeah, There's always been a mentality in the IRFU, but, but it's but not that, that it's yeah. essentially controlled by people from Leinster, Munster and Ulster. Mm. And it serves all their purposes. It kind of continuously, continuously finish behind them in the Rabo Direct League, thereby guaranteeing them a place in the Hannigan mm. Cup. That's their purpose. But it's all, it all perpetuates itself. Like, it, this, this is the, we're looking, this is a symptom, whereas the root cause is not being dealt with. And if the root cause is not dealt with, you'll never find a player that has the potential to play for one of the bigger teams playing for Connacht. That's the bottom line. And, like, you, no one's mentioned Mike McCarthy in this. Like, he was offered the same money to stay in Connacht as he was going for Leinster. But, I mean, loyalty doesn't exist in this game now anymore as it was in the earlier days. It's protracted responsibility when you pull on a jersey. And that means that when you play, you want to win, you want to be the best that you can in your short period of career. Yeah. So you can't blame him. No. But you can't it's the, it's the fundamental system will the RFU ever deal with it in my opinion I, I, I don't know I mean there, there needs to be some but external how, input how can somewhere. they deal with it they can't put a ban on players moving from no. Connacht to the other province no. there has to be freedom no, of they movement. have to give Connacht the, the ability to keep these players which they don't have they have to build like what Joe Smith kind of insinuate build up a mentality that people just do, wouldn't want to leave Connacht that they are having their own so Shane all Leinster did was match Connacht's offer if Connacht put a five year off at the table Leinster can put a five year yeah, off at the table uh, it depends what money. cap you wear if you're wearing an Irish just Irish rugby cap is, is Mike McCarthy moving to Leinster good? It's probably not. It'd probably be better if he stayed in Connacht. Yes. But if you're wearing a player's cap, you can't blame the guy. No. He has no. a chance to go play yep. with the top team in Europe, which just happens to be in Ireland as well. Yeah. And he's got a three-year contract as a 31-year-old. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't bloody get that when I was 31. And you'd have loved one, Munch. <laughs> yeah, that's for that sure. Was, that was because your personality, Munch. That was because you're... <laughs> <laughs> that's harsh, isn't it? Is. I'm very sensitive. <laughs> no one believes me that I'm sensitive. <laughs> Well, ten, ten years ago, the slag still sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> the point, final point on the Connacht thing is, though, that they probably didn't handle this as well as they, they could have themselves. That actually, if they'd had a pop at the RFU, which maybe is, you know, you can't do that when you're, you know, that's biting the hand that feeds you. They're trying to draw a line in the sand. No more, no more of this. I think they're just trying to literally do that, make a stance, because yeah. and they're so angry about it. And it was in the, in the heat of the moment. They took on the wrong guy. Mm. You know, you don't take on Joe Schmidt. I mean, Schmidt was compelling in the way he answered. Yeah. Yeah. He came away from that knowing, in absolutely no doubt whatsoever, that Leinster did not continually pursue Mike McCarthy. They went they, strictly by the protocols. They put a fair offer on the table, and he took it. And you know, 
that plenty of traffic goes the other way too. There's always been a lot of traffic between Leinster and Connacht. And um, yeah, no more Mr. Nice Guy. I can see now why he might be a bit hard to deal with on a Monday morning after a defeat. Yeah, but he, he, t- he, he, did, he answered it practically though. He took the fickleness out of it. They were yeah. trying to say you're nitpicking oh, he's here. He goes, this isn't a fickle decision. This is just what we do, you know, and that's bump and that's it. And he has so much weight behind him now and so much success. You can't yeah. argue with the man, yeah. you know. That's it. Yeah, yeah. so much gravitas. That's all big. It's all like, he was very, very clear to say, I follow procedure exactly. Mm. We did not hound this guy. Mm. And that's it. Like, yeah. So therefore, the problem is no longer just lens to con it's the procedure lads we're uh, we're out of time thank you very much for your company over the, the last 40 minutes or so I presume you're predicting Leinster win a Leinster win yeah their machine behind it yeah. 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 alright my thanks to Shane Byrne to Emma Byrne and to Jerry Thornley you're listening to a very special New Stock Sports Saturday we're broadcasting live from Lansdowne Road because we're going to bring you live uninterrupted exclusive national radio commentary of Leinster against Claremont it's kicking off in less than an hour now so stay tuned